Thank God for seatbelts. Thank God they were wearing their seatbelt. Have you heard people say this before? That somebody hears about an accident, somebody was in an accident. Well, thank God they were wearing their seatbelt. Could have been much worse. For most of my life, I didn't wear seatbelts. I didn't understand how people could be so wholeheartedly, so obviously in love with their seatbelts. I had a friend when I was younger who was an EMT, and he said, although it's not you know, impossible, he says, I've been doing this job a number of years and I've never unbuckled a dead body. Still nothing got through to me. Because when I was three years old, I was in a car accident. And I was in a car seat. And this was in the 1960s, and we don't have like the car seats that kind of like what astronauts or NASCAR drivers sit in today, right? There's no way you can get injured in one of these things anymore, right? Not the case in the 1960s. Ralph Nader would have been proud of my mom for even using one. But the car got in an accident, and something happened with the seat and the seat belt and my car seat, and they got my mom out of the car. The door went open all the way and they got my mom out. But nobody could get in to help me get loose. I was in the car over two hours stuck in my seatbelt. And for 30 years I refused to wear one. And then when I was about 32, 33 years old, my son's about two and he's in a car seat and I just got new tires put on the car and I'm pulling out of the tire place and we get hit. Bad. My son was strapped in. I, stupidly now, was refusing to wear my seatbelt because of past triggers, got a concussion. But my son was fine. Thank God for the seatbelts. I always wear my seatbelt now. But it took 30 years and another accident to get over it. The negative associations we make when things happen to us, they get embedded so easily. And our reactions can be so negative so easily. The other day I was going down to see my son, and I'm going down 495, and all of a sudden the traffic is at a dead stop. I'm sure none of you have had this experience. And the first thoughts that are going through my head are so non-ministerial. The first thought that goes through my head isn't, oh my God, somebody could be killed. The first thought that goes through my head is how annoyed I am and how frustrated I am that I'm delayed. And yet what I didn't notice, which I noticed on the drive back was the beautiful fall colors on the trees. I've been in Texas for eight years. I haven't seen this in almost a decade, right? How it, how it happens up here. And I missed it on the way down. All I could think of was unmentionable things that I was delayed and late in the traffic jam. And I get this feeling at other times too. It happens on Route 16 trying to get over to church. Again, I'm sure none of you have experienced this either, right? And all I get is grumbly about, it's taking me longer to get over to church than I expected. Which should be a trigger for myself. You're going to church, you're a minister. Is this the biggest thing you can complain about right now is you're stuck in traffic for a little bit? I mean, really? T, what's going on? I say to myself. 
But that's not my first reaction a lot of the times. It's how ticked off I am about being three minutes later than I thought I was going to be. But we do this. We have this kind of ingrained bias that gets all negative and sees the negative. It happens to me in the grocery store. When I'm walking up to the checkout line and I got my seven items, and that person with a completely full cart gets in the ten items or less line. Again, my brain goes all non-ministerial inside on that person. Instead of, are they, in a hung, are, are they in a hurry? Is there an emergency? There's no place I really need to be. I could be talking to the person behind me, having a nice conversation. Right? But that's not where I automatically first go. We are, it turns out, hardwired for negativity. We have an evolutionary bias to fixating on negatives. It's a survival mechanism. Back when we needed to be aware of the negatives in a hypervigilant state so we didn't get eaten by tigers. Now it's not serving us so well and people get a little overreactive. And it comes out in all kinds of ways. Maybe you're like me in this way too. I get the sniffles. Oh my God, I'm going to have the flu. I'm going to be sick till Christmas. I'll never make Christmas Eve service happen. I had a sniffle. But automatically, my mind starts going down this trip of like how awful it's all going to be. I hear a sound from my car engine. Oh, the transmission shot. I don't have money for this. How am I going to pay for school this year for Zachary? There's no reason to do that. But we've had some experience. I have where the person got in front of me a line. It never ended and I was a half hour late. Or I did have the sniffles once and got really sick. Or I did hear a funny noise in my car and it ended up costing $800 or whatever. And that sticks. Instead of all the times, everything turned out okay. We have a built-in evolutionary bias to go negative. But we can change that. You heard the reading this morning from Rick Hansen, a neuroscientist, researcher, writer. His books are Buddha's Brain and Hardwired for Happiness. And he says we can actually rewire our brains to be more aware of the positive, more resilient, and be more thankful and have a little more gratitude. He says, but it takes an awareness to do this. The same neuroplasticity that lets our brain learn all other kinds of things lets our brain rewire itself into different patterns. And we can rewire our brains on purpose in different ways. And he says, we can rewire our brain to have a more positivity bias and a less negativity bias. And the system he comes up for doing this, he calls it HEAL. It means you have an experience. You enrich the experience. You absorb the experience. And you link the experience. And he says this takes, you know, somewhere 10 to 15 seconds for it to work if you practice it. So you have an experience. Today you had an experience about filling buckets. I want you to bring to mind for a minute... Someone who came to fill your bucket and what they said to you. You got them? You got what they said? Now let that sink in a little more deeply. Believe that about yourself. Be grateful 
know that other people probably feel that way about you too that didn't say it today. Now make a link. Whatever had you down or sad or wasn't working right or had you frustrated when you came to church this morning, link this bucket filling to that. Bring those together in your mind for a minute. And yes, that one is true, and that's going on, and that's not so great, but this is okay. And my bucket's been filled. You got it? That took us 30 seconds, right? So what he's trying to teach us is that we need to stop and be aware of positives, of niceties, of kindness, of gratitude, and let it sink in for a minute in that way. And over time, if we practice this, it can rewire our brain to be more aware of the positive so that next time I notice the trees and maybe say a prayer for whoever might be hurt up ahead instead of just getting ticked off that I'm stuck in traffic. And every time I get in and out of the car, I put my seatbelt on, and I'm thankful for the seatbelt. I'm darn lucky I'm still around. I could have got really hurt, even worse than a concussion. I'm thankful for that seatbelt. It's an okay thing. The difficult part about this is it's a practice and a discipline. This is not, this is not positive thinking. Like, oh, just have positive thinking. Just obey the law of attraction, where like attracts like. And put out to the universe all the good and happy things you want. Well, if that worked, all the people fleeing Syria who are wishing for a stable home would have one. Because they're trying to track that about as much as a human possibly can. Right? So we're not talking about positive thinking or the law of attraction or any other real simple thing. What we're talking about, rewiring our brains for the positive really requires a discipline and a practice. It is, in fact, a spiritual practice. What's a spiritual practice? A spiritual practice is something that you do for your health and wholeness that requires intention, depth, repetition, and consecration. You don't just do it. You do it for a greater good or something beyond yourself. Taking notice and giving thanks for what is okay is a spiritual practice. If you're anything like me, every time at this year when the little gratitude practices and the gratitude journal comes around, you're like, oh, come on, not again. But there's scientific evidence that actually intentionally engaging in such a practice of giving thanks and noticing the positive rewires your brain to better be able to do that. But you've got to practice it as a practice. Intention, depth, regularity, and consecration. What if we all tried to do this a little bit more? Right? We as a people believe that everything is not all said and done written. Revelation is unfolding. We get those revelations by sitting, practicing, noticing. As Unitarian Universalists, we like to think 
that if we change our thinking, we get our thinking all correct, we're all reasonable and we're all, we get all our facts down, we can figure out the right thing to do all the time, and we can figure out how to behave and what to do and how we should act. But we don't work that way as human beings. You can't think your way into a new behavior. But you can behave your way or act your way into a new way of thinking or awareness. None of what I've just said this morning is new to me. I've known this for a number of years. But it never made any sense to me until I had had a daily meditation practice of sitting on my Zen cushion for 30 minutes every day for years until I finally started to notice that I don't nearly get as ticked off at the guy who cuts me off in traffic anymore. I'm better at stopping, breathing, and noticing. But I didn't even notice I was better at it until two or three years of doing it every day. But I'm certainly better than I used to be, much better. Now what happens is I catch myself being my old self because I don't, I don't lose that. But I'm much faster say, yeah, the traffic jam, but the trees. I'll look at the sunlight coming through that one. That's great. We can do this. We can all find a practice, intention, depth, regularity, that we do something that helps us with that awareness. And we can transfer that awareness to being more thankful and noticing when good happens. Take more note of every single passing kindness. It is a big deal. Right? Those random acts of kindness, they're not random. They happen all the time. It's probably a 50-50 split, right? Rewiring our brains for the positive is not a magic cure-all. It doesn't make what's wrong or hard go away. What it does is it brings a little more into balance our ability to remember that it's not all that. That there is something going around to be thankful for that is okay. And even if you can't find that right now, there will be something again, soon. We are a hopeful people. There are enough resources in us and around us to justify us being hopeful. One of those resources is we can choose to practice. We can choose to transform ourselves to have a little bit more awareness of the positive, of blessing, to be a little more thankful, a little more grateful, a little more kind and compassionate. And if we can transform ourselves to do that, then we can help the world around us do better at it too. And that's what we're called to do.